and that's fine. Well, good morning. Good morning. Nice. That's better. That's better. Uh, my name's Eric, and I'm one of the elders here at City Light South. I'm the old elder. So, so as the old elder, I think it's important that I have a truth disclaimer. So as I tell stories, these are 40 years ago, and uh, these guys are telling stories, you know, from two years ago or whatever. Um, and so, you know, the general gist is true, but a few of the facts might be switched around just a little bit. <laughs> and, and that's true. Uh, so back in uh, 1983, um, we had a, that was a really uh, amazing year in my wife and I's uh, marriage. And we found out in January-ish, I could tell you like January 28th, but I don't even know. Um, we found out that we were pregnant with our first child. And, and I remember just a panic um, that came over me. The panic was in multiple levels. Um, not just the fact that um, uh, we were going to be a dad, but, but it was like, what is, is the career path I'm on? Is this going to work? Can I make the kind of money I need to make to support this little thing? So I remember looking at what it would take to be a lawyer, a doctor. I was very thought for sure that'd be the way to go, right? They make so much money. Um, well, here it is 38 years later, and I've been a teacher my whole life. So a uh, teacher and in education. In the last eight years, I've been at the university teaching future teachers. And so it only makes sense that I approach this text as a teacher would, right? And when I think of that, I think of what is the essential question? An essential question is what kind of guides our, our lesson, right? It guides our discussion. And so here's the essential question that I want you to ponder. And at the end, I hope we can answer this question. So the question is, what will my conversations be about this week? So think about that. We, we come in contact with people we know, people we don't know. Family, neighbors. What will my conversations be about? All right, I want you to ponder that. Now, as we look at this, I am not going to read every verse. Okay, uh, we'll summarize some and, and get some general points, I hope, that can guide what our conversations will be about this week. All right, so when I think of Paul, I think of this ver th these verses, I think of how amazing it is that he starts by a conversation with believers, right? Then he goes through this period where he, he really prepares to share his story with some non-believers. And then he gets a chance to actually share his story to non-believers. And so I want to look at just the first few verses in Acts 21, verses 17 to 20, and then we'll talk and then summarize some as we go, okay? So in 17, when we reached Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters welcomed us warmly. And following, the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. And after greeting them, he reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God. So my initial thoughts as I started reading this and, and sitting and thinking about it is, what are the details that he shared? So what did Paul talk about? You know, and I think, well, did he talk about Antioch? Derby, things that happened in Berea, you know, where the Bereans searched the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. 
and thousands of people came to know Jesus, came to put their faith in Jesus? Did he share that? Did he share about Tychicus and Timothy and Luke and the others that were with him about what was the Holy Spirit was doing through their ministry? Surely he talked about the Philippian jailer, right? And the earthquake that opened the, the prison gates and, and the Philippian jailer comes to faith in Jesus, right? Surely he talked about that, right? I mean, he went into great detail. And what did they do but glorified God? And that leads me to what is our conversation to our believers, to the people that we know and love? Well, back in 83, um, finding I was a, a, gonna be a new dad, I decided, man, I've got to figure out what that means, right? So we were involved just getting started in our Christian faith. We were like most Christians today, right? Where you ask them, are you a Christian? They go, yeah. Have you read through the Bible? No, uh, that was me, all right, at that time. And we got involved with uh, a navigator ministry and a guy named Harvey Soderholm. And with Harvey, we, they had what they called rallies on Friday nights. And we decided to go to a couple of these. It was an old school city group, all right? It was old school. I mean, we sang songs with somebody directing and, and, and then we, uh, somebody shared their testimony and then some people shared some things that they were studying in God's word, which was really new to me. Well, a couple of the guys said, you need to travel with this guy. He is amazing right? And it wasn't him. It was the Holy Spirit working through him. That was amazing. And so I said, Harv, can I go travel with you? And he said, oh, you bet. Meet me at 430 at my front door on Tuesday morning. I was like, I thought, how about 830? Can we do 830? I'm, I'm more than willing to learn how to be a dad at 8.30, but 4.30 was crazy. So we, I get up at 3.30, I get there early, and here he is at the door ready to get in his car and go. And the license plate on the guy's car says you're a winner. Uh, so, so I get in the, the car and we drive off, right? We're heading down I-80 West, and we, I did this multiple times with him. This was, this was the first few times in the truth uh, disclaimer, right? So um, here we are. He's talking about his time in Proverbs. He had read Proverbs that morning. He was talking about how he wanted to do some things from it. There were some really cool insights that he had. And he was asking me questions. You know, where are you reading in the Bible? You know, at the time, I was like, uh, yeah, okay. I, uh, <laughs> share with me what you're doing, you know? And so he's, he's just talking all the way to where we meet this first guy. So we meet with Arnie. We go in, we spend an hour and a half studying the Bible, studying some verses in the Bible. Never done that before either, studied a verse. And, and when we left, of course, he looks to Arnie and he says, hey, you're a winner, and we go to the car. And when I get to the car, I find out he just encouraged me like crazy. I mean, unbelievably crazy. Um, so here I am, right? I want to help me be a dad. What does that, what does that mean, you know? And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is what we covered. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That changed my life. What an amazing verse to share. You talk about being encouraged, it, it blew me out of the water. So 
What about in our huddles, in our city groups, right? When we're getting together with, with believers, what do we share? How do we encourage each other? And I want you to ponder. I asked a couple ladies that were in a huddle, and I asked them, so, so what encourages you from your time together? And one of them shared having common challenges. You know, we're facing these common challenges together and looking at how each one of us is using the word of God in order to live our lives during these challenging times, right? Parenting young children, parenting teenage children, right? Common challenges. The other one shared what encouraged her was having real, authentic conversation. It wasn't phony. We are sharing our sin. We're sharing our challenges. We're sharing our victories, right? That's what encourages them. So let's think about that in light of the essential question. So as we go out this week, what kind of conversations can we share? And how are we going to do that to encourage others that they might glorify God? And I think this book might have something to do with that, to help us, right? So then you get, after verse 20, you get this weird story about Paul preparing to share his story. So he, the, James and the elders share with him, you know, your perception of your ministry isn't the same as what these Jewish people think about your ministry. So he shares with them what the Jews think about his ministry, that he is teaching people and telling the Jews not to follow Moses, not to follow the word of God. That wasn't what he was doing, but that was the perception that he faced. And so they counseled him to go through this purification process. So they mentioned these four guys in a vow. What on earth is that? What, they vowed to not eat chocolate? Or what, what did they vow? No, this was a Nazarite vow. This was a vow, if you go look in Numbers, first part of Numbers and number six, and these guys were, were in it to win it, all right? They were, they were into the Jewish customs of purification and they were going to be made right before their God. And so they encourage Paul to get involved in that with them. And so Paul does. He pays the money for them to shave their head. He spends a week getting ready to share what? His story. And I think we were talking, uh, Mark and Jared and I, Saturday morning, we were talking about meeting with some people. And we said, I don't really prepare anything to share. We showed up. Yeah, I didn't get to share the gospel this time. I got it. I hope I can next time. Paul spent seven days preparing himself to go share his story with the Jewish people. Now, that is amazing. Now, let's go back into that car. We get on Interstate 80, we're still heading west, all right? And we get to where we're going, we're, we're heading to Holdridge because he's got a sister, Harvey has a sister there, and we were gonna serve him, and I was a designated contractor. So I didn't know that at the time, but so, um, we go to a gas station. Back then, you had to have cash to pay for the gas. I mean, it's a crazy thought. And, and we went into the gas you know, pump. I pumped it. He went inside. I follow in, and here's Harvey talking to the guy behind the counter. And Harvey had prepared some really amazing questions that he used. And I've seen him, I saw him use that uh, same question over and over again. Are you a Christian, or are you on the way? What a great question. 
Think about the response. Yes, I'm a Christian. Harvey would say, tell me about that. I'm so excited. What did, when did you come to know Jesus as your Savior? Well, I've been a Christian all my life. Oh. So then he tells his story, and he tells, and he shares some verses that, that are all about his assurance of salvation and the claiming promise from God's word. He had a passion for people to come to know Jesus. If they said, well, I'm not a Christian, then he'd share his story. And it opened up the opportunity for him to share the hope that was in him. And I think he prepared to do that. There was preparation on his part to do that, right? My mom and dad were born and raised in Colorado, and so I'm a Colorado guy. And, and they, they uh, um, were in a Lutheran church that in my world was dead. I did, I, not that all Lutheran churches are dead, that's not the point. The point was, as I grew in my faith, I wanted to share Jesus with them. Now what I did is I shared a bunch of verses and I shared a bunch of facts and I shared some stuff that, that to be honest with you, I don't think encouraged them. I don't think they glorified God when I got done. You know, but later on in life, um, as they're getting older and we're getting older, Tish and I, uh, Philippians 3, 13 and 14. And here's Paul sharing. He says, brethren, I do not regard myself as having a hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, what I blew with my mom is I didn't have a humble heart like Paul did. I wasn't sharing with my mom how Jesus is impacting me until later on in life. We, the, the year before she died, she came out and she got a chance to come to our city group. And one of the things she shared that night or the next day or somewhere in there, again, truth uh, disclaimer, uh, she, she said uh, how impactful that was for her. That she saw the love of Jesus. So, I cry a lot too later in life, but <laughs> that's okay. Um, so anyway, I think about preparing to share the gospel. I got five kind of facts, I think five elements, five factors that give us the opportunity to share the gospel. The first one is our life. James talks about, James 1, I think it's 22, don't hold me to that, but I think it's 22, right? Be a doer of the word and not merely a hearer who deludes myself, right? My life and obedience to Jesus, because I want to, not because I have to, right? It's what gives me the opportunity to share the gospel. It gives us the opportunity to share, right? The second factor, so the first one is my life. The second one is, am I a listener? Do I listen? And I think, you know, again in James, I think it's a couple verses before that, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, right? It gives us the opportunity to share the gospel. I love Proverbs too. Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise. I think, you know, for me, I think sometimes in those situations, I don't listen. I'm thinking, what can I share? I got a verse, oh, let me share something with you. I think of that uh, Zach Williams song, a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. Uh, a great thought as we're trying to build relationships and share Jesus with people, right? Am I a listener? The third one I think is really good is that 
everyone is looking for hope. You know, I, I, in Exodus, looking at the Israelites in captivity, right? They were longing for a deliverer. Is it any different today? I mean, look at our culture. We've got no hope. But if people are looking for that, they don't know where to find it, but hope, we know, is in Jesus, right? The next one, which I think is really good, is, is keep it simple. Keep it simple. So I'm sitting on the 4th of July down underneath our deck. I got Ella sitting there and Jackson and Avery and Grace, my four, you know, grandchildren, amazing kids. Anyway, we say, I, I asked them, I said, so what is the gospel? What is it? Ella eloquently, like she read, you know, she kind of laid it out. Jackson, he was working on it, but he was in the right ballpark, <laughs> right? You were, you were getting after it. Avery was like, what's the question again? <laughs> and, and Grace was like, I don't have a clue. <laughs> she just didn't know. She was ready to go swimming. So what we went to is 1 Corinthians 15, right? One through five. What is the gospel? And it says, Paul says that, Jesus died and was buried according to the scriptures. That phrase, according to the scriptures, to me is all the complications we put on it, right? The Bible speaks and, and directs us right to the death burial of Jesus, right? Paul says, keep it simple. It's about that. What else is about that Jesus rose again on the third day? And he appeared to... 500 people, he appeared to the apostles, he appeared to Paul, you know, finally Paul says, finally to me, right, as proof that he did what he said he did. So the gospel doesn't need to be complicated. And when we can share it in the midst of our story, it also doesn't have to be offensive. Because it's our truth, it's our reality. How cool is that? Right? And the last one, I think that's four, right? That we would, uh, that we... Right, share because uh, we have a life dedicated to Jesus. We share because uh, we're listening. We get a chance to share because they're looking for a, a hope that they don't have. We're sharing because we're making it simple. And really the why to all of this, isn't it John 3.16? We're sharing because Jesus loved us enough. God loved us enough to send his son right, to die for us, that by believing in him, we have eternal life. And as a result, then, we love others to share with them, right? So Paul prepared to do that. What's crazy about this story, did his preparation work? Nope, didn't get to say a word, right? He's all prepared. He's done seven days of this purification process. He gets to the synagogue, probably ready to do the sacrifices and such, which boggles my mind, I don't get it, but uh, God does, and that's what he wanted the, right, the Jewish people to do in the Old Testament, and so they're ready to do that. What happens? Some Jews from Asia come in, right? Blow it up. You don't even get a chance to share. They carry him out. They're ready to kill him. They start beating the dude. And an uproar happens. The soldiers come. Amazing scene. Can you picture it? And they come in. Everybody stops beating him because the cops are here. And, and then, you know, he, uh, he cha they chain him with a couple chains, carry him, like, over their shoulders, you know, and he's bouncing along as he goes out of the, 
deal. And they go up some stairs to the barracks. And I was thinking as I'm reading this, what is Paul thinking? He's thinking, I want to share my story. That's all he's thinking. Amazing, right? They get to the stairs. They start carrying up. He asks the commander, hey, can I talk to him? Would it be okay, you know? And the guy says, absolutely. We want you to share your story. I don't know if he said that, but he gave him permission, right? So that takes us to 22 verse 1. So what does Paul share? I think this is amazing, right? So let's read the first few. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense before you. When they heard that he was addressing them in Aramaic, they became even quieter. He continued, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in the city, educated at the feet of, feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel is like the, the all-star of the Pharisees, right? He was the dude. According to the strictness of our ancestral law, I was zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way to the death, arresting and putting both men and women in jail. And as both the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me, after I received letters from them to the brothers, I traveled to Damascus to arrest those who were there and bring them to Jerusalem to be punished. So there's his before. That's his before he met Jesus. Right? I think it's important we share our before when we talk to people because we're all messed up. Right? My before in Colorado, athletics was the center of everything I did. I would step on others. I didn't care. I, it was all about me. My life was totally centered on me. Athletics has a way of doing that to you. You kind of like, how can I step over this person? That guy sucks. I'm much better than them. You know, I mean, that's kind of the reality of it. And you get up to a competitive level, and yeah, it can really distract me from the, the reality of the gospel, right? And so that's my before. So now Paul goes into what is his, what is his uh, really connection to Jesus? What is his Jesus moment? It starts in 6. As I was traveling and approaching Damascus about noon, an intense light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. I always thought when I accepted Jesus, I'd get that flash of light. <laughs> I was hoping, but yeah, it never happened in my world. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. Now, those who were with me saw the light that they did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, get up and go to Damascus, and there you will be told everything that you have been assigned to do. Since I couldn't see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and went into Damascus. So there's his encounter with Jesus. Right? And I really think of John 1.12 when I think of that, his experience, his, his connection to Jesus. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. So how do we know Paul believed and received Jesus? By the fact he did what Jesus said. He obeyed, and it changed his direction. Right? Here he is, killing Christ followers, now he is a Christ follower. 
an amazing change, right? My uh, experience with Jesus was in about 1981, again, truth disclaimer, um, I came to Nebraska in 78 to play football. I was, I was a quarterback back then. I was the, the wrong place at the wrong time, I think. We went from the drop back quarterback to a running option guy, and this is not an option body. <laughs> and so I was not gonna option anybody. And matter of fact, I tried during my third spring and dislocated my left shoulder five times. And so I had to go in and have my shoulder rebuilt. So that's in May. Now my wife can attest to the fact that I worked out like an idiot that summer. I was working out three, four times a day, going to therapy. I came back in that fall stronger than I was when I left before the surgery. And three days before the first game, who was the team? Ricky? Iowa. Iowa, very good. That wasn't Ricky, but general gist. It was, it was Iowa. I think we beat them 63 to something. It was bad. But I tear the Carleys in my left knee. And so my experience then led me to a hospital bed. And so it, we were starting the study of, of the Bible, right? And so some verses came to mind for me. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That made sense to me at that moment, right? I had fallen short of my goals. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. I could relate to that, you know, being in the hospital and near death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so it was at that time that I accepted Jesus. I took Romans 10.9, and I prayed to Jesus and said, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have put myself at the center of my life. Would you come in and change me? Right? Romans 10.9. It's a great verse. It's a great promise that I have eternal life. And so I've been working on that promise, the change in me since then, which I'm a slow learner, so... It's, it's hopefully getting better. But uh, let's go to uh, his after, all right? So we just got his before, his how, and his after. So his after, I think, starts in verse 12. Someone named Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, who had a good reputation with all the Jews living there, came and stood by me and said, where am I? And said... He said, the God of our ancestors, I'll go to 14. The God of our ancestors has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the words from his mouth. Since you be a witness for him and all, to all the people of what you have seen and heard, and now, why are you delaying? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. After I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance, and I saw him telling me, hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. But I said, Lord, they know that in synagogue after synagogue, I had those who believed in me imprisoned and beaten. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I stood there giving approval and guarding the clothes of those who killed him. But he said to me, go, because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And so his after is really marked by his willingness to obey what Jesus told him to do, right? So here he is killing Christ followers. Now he's in the synagogue convincing people to follow Jesus. He's gone from uh, being a, a, a man of Jewish customs 
to being a man led by faith. The Holy Spirit working through his heart and his, everything he did. I mean, it's absolutely amazing how his life totally changed, right? So then what happens? They love him and cheer and he gets, you know, taken to the palace, not so much. He, uh, he gets to share his story and then he shares what he's gonna do to follow Jesus and what do they do? They, they wanna kill him for it, right? They wanna kill him. And so here he is standing there, you know, open and ready to, to lead people to Jesus and the result isn't what you'd think. So he then has the, the saved by the soldiers again, right? And they come in to rescue him. This time they've got a different approach to it, right? Um, all right, let's whip him and see if we can get the truth. You know, um, I thought it was interesting too, during this stretch, he now uses his Roman citizenship. Why didn't he use it when they were carrying him chains up the steps? I think, you know, his focus was on sharing his story. Now that he's shared his story, he's trusting in God to deliver him, and God does, right? Protects him like nobody's business. I mean, it's just amazing, that story. So what does that do for us today? Let's go back to that essential question. So what, is my, what are my conversations to be about? Do I prepare to share my story? Can I prepare to be able to share the truth of God's word? Is that something that I can do? Is that something you can do? I think it is. And we have the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. Harvey, two years ago, died. We went to his funeral to shine. It was the most amazing funeral I've ever been to. They were, it was a true celebration. His children and grandchildren got up to talk about him in some amazing terms. But what did they talk about? Jesus. They talked about him being a disciple maker, him sharing the word of God, right? But not in a way that offends, in a way that encouraged and drew people to Jesus. So at the end of the funeral, they have this open mic. People, it was a long line. I mean, we're talking out the back. And people from I-80, I-29, wherever there's a gas station, right, came to share what Harvey had, how Harvey impacted them for Jesus. They shared about Jesus in their life. The last person to get up was a, a small little lady from uh, Hy-Vee, the Hy-Vee Deli at 84th and, uh, 84th and Holdridge. And she got up and just praised Jesus. She just says, thank you, Jesus, and I, I love you, Harvey. Harvey shared Jesus with her three months before he died. He's what, 86? So we can do it. We can do it. And I think of 1 Peter 3, 15. It says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Did anybody ask you about the hope in you this week? They didn't me. So what can I do? Well, I can prepare a question or two. I can prepare to share something in a way that is gentle and kind, but will draw someone to say, well, what about you? And now I can share the hope that is in me.
right? Would that be what we do this week? Would that be City Light South? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for the examples that we have of Paul. But Lord, it's not Paul. It's your spirit working through him. Lord, I praise you for the impact Harvey had in my life. But it wasn't Harvey. It was your spirit, your Holy Spirit working through him. Lord, would your spirit work through me? Would your spirit work through this church? Would people say, that's a church that the spirit is moving in the lives of the people? That's what we share. That's what helps people glorify God. Lord, would that be who we are? In Jesus' name, amen.